Tim Cahill quits. And what now for Quade Cooper? It's Wednesday, the 6th of December on The Splash. Welcome into The Splash. I am your host, Phil Pryor, joined by two esteemed colleagues today. We're here to talk some rugby union and some football as well. First things first, uh, welcome into Dave Wainer, who is here to talk about the Tim Cahill situation. Thanks for joining The Splash, Phil. Uh, and I've also got Christy Doran. Uh, after we talk about some Cahill action, uh, I want to know what's happening with Quade Cooper. You reckon you can fill me in, mate? Sure, certainly can. Afternoon to you, Phil. And, uh, and please feel free to jump in on the uh, discussion as we uh, work through all the burning questions surrounding uh, Tim Cahill. Dave, uh, he has announced that he's finished his time effective immediately with mm-hmm. Melbourne City. Uh, what has happened and transpired today? I don't think it was too much of a surprise to anyone that's been following it closely since yeah. the Socceroos yeah. game, where, of course, he said on the sideline immediately after, yeah, after the game that he needed to look at his club future. Um, and since that time, he hasn't started a game. He's only started one game all season yeah. for Melbourne yeah. City. He's only played 94 minutes. In the 15 um, months since he started, he's scored 13 goals from 22 games and 18 starts. To be fair, it's not a bad return at all, but you no. look at a new regime under Warren Joyce at the moment, mm. you look at the strikers that he's been playing with, with Russ McCormack, who's come in from Aston Villa, Marcin Bajinski, who's played a little bit in recent times, Bruno Fornaloroli, we're coming back from injury at some point this season. Yeah. Cahill's 38 years old. Today's his birthday, actually, so happy yeah. birthday to Tim. He's obviously <laughs> celebrated with his own present here with his uh, <laughs> mutually agreed departure. But this all comes down to one very simple uh, state of play. You can talk about, um, you know, you can talk about um, his statements after the game. You can talk about what's going on at Melbourne City. Ultimately, what this is coming down to is at 38 years of age, Tim Cahill wants to be playing regularly between mm. now and Russia because... He wants to be match fit. He wants to be match fit. He wants to make himself undroppable. And you've got to remember, in the history of the World Cup, only three players, Pele being one of them, has scored at four different tournaments. Yeah. Cahill, whether it's a tap-in or another volley bomb like against the Netherlands, <laughs> is in a position, an extremely privileged position, to possibly yeah. join that elusive club. So he needs to put himself in the box seat. He cannot be sitting on the bench. He cannot be waiting until 77 minutes or whatever it was at Newcastle, yeah. waiting to come on yeah. for a game yeah. with a Newcastle Jets fan heckling <laughs> Warren Joyce, telling him to put Cahill on. It's a good he can't... video worth checking out at the front Exactly. Website. He can't go plug. He can't be doing that. He's smart enough. He knows yeah. that. He's managed his career superbly until this point. That's how he's still playing at 38 years of age. Yeah. Um, and I actually thought Archie Thompson gave a fascinating insight on Fox Sports News this afternoon where he reminded us all actually of how much can change between qualifying and a World Cup. Archie was actually one of the key players on the day we sealed our spot in Brazil against mm. Iraq at ANZ Stadium. Was that when Josh Kennedy It was, and Archie yeah. actually came on and, and changed That's the game, right. to yeah, be honest yeah. with you. Yeah, he gave it some um, pace. Yeah, he yeah. did. And Archie wasn't nowhere, it was nowhere to be seen yeah. from the World Cup yeah, because yeah. Ange came in, took it from Olgiosiak, and new regime brings new ideas. Now, Tim yeah. Cahill is of this kind of realm where even though he wasn't playing for the Socceroos, sorry, for the match for Melbourne City and the A-League season hadn't really started, he yeah. was still always guaranteed to be in the Socceroos squad under Postacoglu. Yeah. But a new coach brings different ideas. So as yeah, Archie, Archie sort of reminded us all, Cahill cannot rest on his laurels, which he is not. 
and uh, in due course we'll find out what his next move is. Look, we can only speculate. We can only he can only start playing again now in uh, when the next transfer windows open across the globe. Uh, the A League doesn't start till early January. Um, the interesting one that is being thrown around at the moment is the United Arab right, Emirates, yeah. which opens next week. Yeah. Um, look, there's options all around Asia. Tim Cahill doesn't make this kind of move without knowing uh, that he's got contingency plans. Yeah. And, and I've yeah. got, I mean, he's played in the MLS. He's obviously got a storied reputation in England, but we're talking three, four, five years ago Shanghai now. Shanghai as well. Shanghai as well. I don't think he'll go back to Shanghai, but you, know, you would suspect that uh, Asian football will be his pathway. To Russia, yeah, and let's yeah. hope it involves plenty of minutes and plenty of goals. What, what, uh, what's your instinct telling you, and uh, where would be a nice fit where he knows that he can play high quality football, but also get mm. a high number of minutes? Look, the high quality thing is, I mean, that's a that's a matter for debate. Like Mark Milligan played a number of seasons in the Middle East. Uh, and was able to maintain his standards for the Socceroos. Um, there are other players that Postacoglu had in his time uh, looked at, like Matthew Spranovic, who was playing second division in China, said that's not high enough. Yeah. Um, I think Cahill, being the professional he is, he continued to succeed when he was at Shanghai. So I don't think the club or the level is the issue. I think going somewhere where he will be a valued commodity and play regularly yeah, is, okay. the, is, the, is the main goal for him there. Um, look, and... It wouldn't surprise me if it is the Middle East, um, but we're speculating. Um, yeah. I think that would be a safe move. I think any other leagues, if you look at the way they line up in terms of timings, they either finish too early or, frankly, they don't start till yeah. a bit later on the piece. Yeah. So yeah. Tim, if he's leaving City now, isn't going to want to spend the next two, three months idle. Mm. So that's well, I mean, kind of... He hasn't of... played a lot of football with that ankle injury re- recently, of course. But as you uh, touched on before, what also hinges on... Cahill's selection um, for the World Cup in Russia next year uh, is, of course, who's going to be coaching mm. the Socceroos? What can you tell us about this situation and the process uh, of determining yeah. who, who the, um, the, the replacement for Ange Postacoglu will be? It's such an interesting time in Australian football where we watched the World Cup draw on Friday night and Saturday morning and we were so excited. Yeah. But at the same time, so we don't have a national team coach. Our talisman is now without a club by his own choice, and we don't even know who's running the game in Australia. And, and all those yeah, are all connected. Issue. Yeah, all yeah. those are all connected into working out what happens next with the next step. Um, Cahill's one, I think, is in his own hands, so I think that's fine. Um, from what I understand, and uh, there'll be some stories on it on FoxSports.com.au. You probably not when you listen to it on your commute today, but possibly on uh, Thursday or Friday as well. Um, is the FFA have been inundated? There's been a lot of speculation about names being put forward from your Sven Goran Eriksons to um, Klinsman, Jurgen Klinsman, and uh, you know there's probably been a dozen high-profile names and whose agents. Arnold and yeah, Paul so for, here. yeah, so from the foreign element, you've got managers, I should say agents and, and intermediaries. Putting their agents, putting their candidates' names forward to yeah. various journalists. Yeah. The local candidates are obvious. It's Graham Arnold, Kevin Musker, Tony Popovich, Ante Milicic, probably, and you're probably looking at the line there. Um, but th- this is the interesting part of it. All these names can be put forward, but right now the FFA is in a consultative sort of uh, stock-taking phase where they've got a couple of decisions to make before they throw. 80, 90% of those CVs out the window. And yeah. they have been inundated from high-profile candidates to run-of-the-mill uh, people who obviously are very interested in this job. Yeah. Um, they've got to decide, and they've enlisted Mark Schwarzer, Mark Bresciano, and Stan Lazaridis to help them do this. Mm. Um, they've got to now decide whether they want to go with a pinch hitter for the World Cup yeah. 
or yeah. they want to go with someone with a bit of a long-term mandate, remembering yeah. that six months after the World Cup is the Asian Cup that Australia has to defend. Only six months. Six months later. Okay. Yeah, same time frame yeah. as Ange had when he took yeah, over right, right. Um, as well. They've got to decide whether to go foreign or local. So yeah. do they go with someone yeah. who has the intel of the Australian landscape, what's been done by Postacoglu in recent years, yeah. what the, who the players are, what they're like? Or do they go with someone who's going to come in with a different kind of influence, with different experience, with different insights into the world of international football? They have to decide that. And then they also have to decide do they want to continue with this visionary, bold manager that Postacoglu built, or are they going to look for someone who fits a different profile? Have we used those four years of roller coaster enjoyment? And are we now going to go look to stabilize or something a little bit more, uh, I guess, just a little bit, I guess, less, less of a roller coaster than what we got with mm. Postacoglu? So we. We have to wait for them to decide that probably by mid-December yeah. before they then whittle down and go, right, well, this is what our job application or what do you call it, our, our what we'll put out on stake. <laughs> I don't know where you put out coaching, yeah. coaching yeah. jobs yeah. these days, but when we put out the criteria, that's what I was looking for, the word criteria, <laughs> um, that's what we really can only speculate on these candidates in a purely sort of room in the way. Um, until we start to find out what the profile looks like that mm. they don't need to meet the criteria for. Yeah, it's a sham. It's a shambolic time for the FFA right now. But it sounds like they've got the right people, a few ex-soccerers in place to to pick from. Um, as a a football fan, Christy, wh- who would you like to to see take over a a local or uh, a foreigner? Uh, wh- what do you think would work for football fans here in Australia? Well, we clearly saw back in what, 2006 the, the success that Gus had uh, in a short time of frame. So yeah. I, I think as long as it's the right sort of person, then you don't really mind. Speaking from a rugby perspective, a New Zealand coach wasn't particularly, um, uh, didn't endear himself necessarily to the Australian public. So I think you've yeah. got to be obviously careful. But uh, just out of curiosity, of the 31 other nations that are going yeah. to be at the World Cup, how many others are searching for a coach? How many jobs? No, the, the, the interesting it. thing is the two, I, I believe everyone else is set in. So, but there have been changes. Saudi Arabia, Bert Van, Bert Van Marwick and Serbia's boss, whose name and pronunciation, I have to apologise, has escaped me. They both lost their jobs or departed um, after they qualified. So no surprise, they're two of the names that have come up and been linked with the because yeah, yeah. they want their World Cup ticket, and rightly yeah, so. Yeah. Um, Carlos Queiroz from Iran um, was linked probably three, four months ago just with some discontent, but they've qualified. He's playing against his homeland, uh, Portugal, but he might look at his group and go, jeez, I've got Spain and Portugal in my group, maybe the Socceroos <laughs> jobs, and, you know, with what I've got to put up with here in, 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 uh, in the Middle East. Looks like one worth going for as well. So, no, it was a rare, um, it was an anomaly for us at the World Cup. Ante Milicic represented us there um, and he got himself front and centre into the World Cup picture where they had a team shot with all 32 coaches and he was front <laughs> and centre there. So, well done to him. Out, the room. Outstanding work there. But just to also clarify one thing you said in terms of who would you like to see and hitting work last time. I mean, they were pretty unique circumstances then. Um, You've got to remember in the global context here is the, is the dollars and cents as well. Yeah. So yeah. Um, can... How much money does the FFA realistically have to, to throw at, a, at well, a high profile international coach? Or more than that, are we at market, can we reach the market value? Yeah. Um, and then you have to look at if they do look for a pinch hitter, um, which is what the consultative and decision making process is at the moment. Um, 
do we really want to go through this again in six months? Mm. Going through and choosing another coach, short build up to the Asian Cup. Remember this. Well, that, that, that was going to be my uh, another po- uh, point worth making is we seem to be boxed in in this idea that if it is someone coming in from overseas, yeah. that they are going to be a, a pinch hitter just until no, the World Cup. No, um, no, and not if we look at an Australian, it's it's a longer term project. Not, but no, I don't think so. I, I think, know. I think yeah. it's more those three. Um, those three uh, boxes to be ticked that I talked about before, they're the more determining criteria and not the nationality of where they're from in terms of um, it has to be a foreigner for a short term or whatnot. Um, I think the biggest thing for me is what you want to avoid is what happened 10 years ago, literally 10 years ago, when Hiddink did leave and then Graham Arnold, who was groomed, to take yeah, over, he took it on an in interim charge. basis for the Asian Cup. Yeah. And then we were left looking for another coach after that. What we yeah. need to have yeah. is a pick-and-stick approach where yeah. there's yeah. a concerted plan and it's not sort of mm. trying things on the run. We've seen that. We've seen how it worked. If you want to do that sort of it, it, uh, sort of bring an Australian on as a number two uh, for it, the... It won't be Arnold. Well, <laughs> well, no, he'll be a number one. He won't be a number yeah. two. Yeah. But there are candidates, Ocon, um, Milicic, Eloisi, yeah. Yeah. whoever. Um Musket probably as well, maybe even Tony Popovich. But it can't be what happened to Arnold 10 years ago where you yeah. know, he was thrown in the deep end and then we went back to square one. We yeah. need yeah. to build on what's happened over the last four years and fingers crossed, I mean, it's all this flux in Australian football. That's one decision that they do uh, yeah. get yeah. right. Okay, Dave, feel free to, to, to hang on the, the pod as we move to rugby. I know you, you both said, boys, if we all want to talk about cricket, we can. But of course... Uh, we're recording uh, at the start of the fifth and final day of what could be a blockbuster uh, at the Adelaide Oval. Spoiler alert, we're going to be talking cricket on tomorrow's podcast. But Christy Doran, um, we found out, I think it was on Monday, that uh, that Brad Thorne, the new Queensland Reds coach, uh, does not have Quade Cooper in his plans moving forward despite two more years on the Star Fly Halves contract. Um, and now he's looking for another club to play at. What's the the latest uh, in this situation? Well, it's quite extraordinary because it's only a couple of days before we found out that Quade Cooper is no longer part of Brad Thorne's plans. He was announced, in fact, in the yeah. Queensland Reds squad uh, when they have the, the Reds each year. They, they have a you know a function and they. Uh, like to, to think about how well they're going to be going the, the following season and and Quade Cooper was certainly in that squad as was another man, Nick Frisby uh, his scrum half for, for most of the year in, in 2017 mm. the two of them however have been told that they're not part of, of Brad Thorne's future um, which certainly came as a, a little bit of a bombshell because mm. we all know that Quade Cooper is a very experienced wallaby uh, he's won a Super Rugby title back with the Reds. One of their yeah. favourite sons, yeah, yeah. Uh, 2011, was was that historic moment in Australian rugby. Um, but unfortunately, uh, we haven't seen the best of Quade ever since 2011 when he went down with a knee injury in the third uh, place playoff of the World Cup after mm-hmm. a scintillating 20 minutes went down with with that knee injury. And we haven't seen... Quade Cooper near his best since then. Yeah. Um, he's lost his pace, unfortunately, his spark. Um, and quite frankly, there's been way too many incidences on the field and, and really off the field yeah. since that point in time. Uh, so, so, so is it, And is that part of uh, Brad Thorne's decision, do you think? Is it just time to move on because of uh, what he's not just offering on the field but 
uh, a cultural shift offered as well? Yeah, certainly. So Brad Thorne's a, a World Cup winner. He's won titles with the Canterbury Crusaders. He's won titles with the Brisbane Broncos and, and, and State of Origins. Yeah. He, he's a, a dual international and one of the finest we've, we've ever seen. He he's comes, played about a thousand and however many you know first class games of rugby league slash union. In, indeed, he's won every, he's won everything where he's gone. And and one thing that has certainly been uh, front and centre of Brad Thorne has been discipline um, with his body, basically his preparation of yeah. uh, of defence. He hardly missed a match when he played, uh, mm. and, and and he always put the team first. And and those questions have been you've not quite been sure whether or not Quade Cooper over the last five years particularly has put the team first Um, it was only a few years ago 2013 when 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 Dingo Robbie Deans was in charge of the Wallabies where Quade said that the Australian culture the Wallabies culture was toxic Um, and and it really was wherever Quade went it was the Quade show yeah and and unfortunately if you're not putting runs on the board and you're coming up with statements like this, you're getting yellow carded every third game for, for high tackles, um, then your stocks quickly start to go. And and over the last six months, we've seen Michael Checker, the Wallabies coach, drop Quade Cooper, not pick him for the rugby championship, not pick him for the spring tour. And that came on the back of a pretty disappointing return to Super Rugby after he'd spent close to 12 months playing in France with, uh, with Toulon in, in the French top 14. Quaid is 29 now, uh, but he's about to become the, the highest paid club rugby player from what we understand. Uh, two years left on his on his contract. Um, yeah. So he's. So the Reds will be hoping that someone else can pick up this contract and presumably offshore. Uh, but at the same time, uh, even uh, Matt Rogers was a name uh, that hit the headlines this morning suggesting that maybe he should try his hand in the NRL uh, which has been speculated a few times previously. Yeah, well, it has because he's 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 always had an extremely good skill set of passing out of hand, both left and right. Um, and and previously, when his youngest days, he was very quick and had an amazing step. But unfortunately, whilst he still can can pass a ball and cut out three or four defenders, or, or do a cross field kick and find his winger pretty easily, he just yeah. doesn't have that same spark. So whether or not an NRL team would take a chance on someone who hasn't played rugby league at 29. Seems rather far-fetched in yeah, my opinion. Yeah. But uh, where his future rests is, is, is a little bit unsure at the moment because uh, he, I think it certainly came as a bit of a shock um, that he wasn't part of Brad Thorne's plans, albeit only Greg Martin told me a month ago that if Quade Cooper did go to Queensland rugby officials, that he would Queensland rugby would likely probably let him go, knowing that he isn't playing anywhere near uh, to the standard of of what they hoped. So Quade, I think, is is maybe playing a little bit of chicken now. He's said that he's going to stick around in Queensland uh, rugby, playing potentially for Souths in in the in the local club rugby scenes. <laughs> Uh, he, he could potentially earn $800,000 a year by just doing that, um, which is just a huge amount of money. Queensland Rugby don't have the money to say, Quaid, thank you very much, take your money and go. They simply don't. So they can't pay him out. Um, it's, it's, it's a bit of cat and mouse at the moment because... Uh, the, sure, the, I mean, surely a Toulon or somewhere in Japan uh, would love to have Quaid Cooper 
in their uh, roster. Certainly, but Queensland can't pay him out. So the longer that he stays there, the more they think, well, geez, we'd better start to get something out of Quaid, otherwise uh, we're just throwing money away and that's simply what they'll be doing. He's by far Australia's second best fly half currently, uh, undoubtedly. Bernard Foley, you'd, you'd have to say the current Wallabies 10 is, uh, but after that, there's, there's few other 10s going around. So uh, he certainly would be hot property for a number of places, but it's just, okay. it's just whether or not he wants to go or how much he wants to be playing at the top level. Any chance it's mind games? You know, this is like the extreme version of the coach getting the subs to warm up in front of the player that's playing badly just to give him a bit of a rocket. Is there any chance this could be a masterstroke by Brad Thorne to turn Quade Cooper's career around just before the age of 30? You'd like to think so. I don't know if Brad Thorne, though, in his first year of, of being a super rugby coach, would be willing to take such a chance. This is a huge He wouldn't call. want his authority undermined straight up either. N- not at all, not at all. It's, it's a huge call. He's going to live by his, uh, the sword and die by his sword, is Brad Thorne, because he's, he's basically punted, as I've just said, the, the second best fly half in, in the land on your mm. first year. His side is going to be one that is going to be uh, defensively probably one of the strongest and one of the fittest. And as we all know, Quade Cooper has a pretty checkered history with defence, doesn't like to do it and often goes really high and gives away way too many penalties. So, sorry, Quade, it's the Brad Thorne show, it's not the Quade Cooper show. And uh, sorry, Reds fans, but it it, uh, might not be the most entertaining, enterprising uh, brand of rugby up in Queensland next year. Quite possibly. I, I think <laughs> they've certainly got some very good youngsters coming through the ranks, but the, the two options that they'll have is Duncan Powell, who, who played pre- uh, predominantly at inside centre at 12 this year, as, as well as um, Hamish Stewart, who's a young 10 who played with Queensland Country. Look, those two guys are, are good young players, but they're certainly not anywhere near Quade Cooper's uh, potential and spark. I think we, what we might see is a little bit of uh, the Western Force coming out of Queensland Reds in the in the coming year where uh, they, they certainly compete for a long time but yep. where do they score their points and yeah, that's the big question. Where's their coming from? Yeah. Okay boys we, we better wrap it up. Uh, big show on the splash today. Apologies to our subscribers uh, yesterday. Technical difficulties uh, intervening. Dave uh, thank you for joining the splash and we look forward to hearing how this Socceroos uh, coaching search uh, continues. Pleasure as always. Hopefully we have some development soon. Yeah, and uh, and same to you, Christy Doran. Uh, be sure to uh, click back to the Fox Sports website, uh, Fox Sports Australia website, for all the updates on Cahill and Quaid. But until next time, on the splash, that's a wrap.